It's been called the greatest art feud of modern times, a dispute that pits Russian billionaire and collector Dmitry Rybolovyev against the Swiss art dealer and businessman Yves Bouvier. Now, in a fresh twist to the long-running tale, Mr Rybolovlev has handed over two paintings by Pablo Picasso worth $30 million to the police. I'm James Pickford, and here with me in the studio to discuss the saga and what it means for the art market are Cynthia Omerku from the FT Investigations team and Georgina Adam, who writes about the art market for the art newspaper and the Weekend FT. Cynthia, you've been following the story closely. Can you tell us what this dispute is all about? Really what it boils down to is two very, very well-connected people with a very different view of what their transactions entailed. Mr Bouvier contends that he was an art dealer, he was acting as an art dealer, sourcing paintings, buying them, and then selling them on to Mr Rubolovlev. Mr Rubolovlev, however, contends that he used Mr Bouvier as an advisor, as an agent, who he tasked with finding him essentially one of the most magnificent collections and putting together this amazing collection and that he acted as an agent whom he would remunerate by giving him a percentage fee of the total price. Mm-hmm. And the nub is that essentially Mr. Rubelovlev, whose collection is worth somewhere around $2 billion, said that he was overcharged by nearly a billion dollars by Mr. Bouvier. <laughs> so Mr. Rubelovlev found out that Paintings, for example, a Modigliani that he bought was sold by the previous owner for $93.5 million and the Rubolovlev family trust paid $118 million. So the markup is very, very high. These are extraordinary sums, aren't they? Georgina, it seems that this turns on the size and the agreement of the margin, essentially, for the person, the middleman or dealer. What is more conventional currently in the market? Would it be unheard of to have such a big margin or would it normally be expected to have, say, a 2% fixed percentage? Well, it all depends on what the agreement is between the buyer and the seller. If somebody agrees and has a contract that they're working as an agent on a percentage fee, which is agreed in advance, then that would be that. But if you're working as a dealer, quite frankly, you're free to make the markup you can you think the market will bear? So this, as Cynthia has said, this is all a question of what was understood on each side as to what their relationship was. So what does Mr Rybolovyev say about the dispute? We talked earlier to a lawyer for the Rybolovyev Family Trust. For the Rybolovyev Family Trust, which owns the collection, and for Mr Rybolovyev himself, involvement in both of these cases are about a wider principle. And uh, it is certainly not just about the financial loss that has been suffered. First, it is about holding to account the unscrupulous and rank dishonesty demonstrated over a sustained period by a person who must rank as one of the most aggressive uh, predators on the art market uh, for many, many years. And uh, second, it is about shining a spotlight on the lack of transparency and uh, shady practices that afflict the wider market. We also spoke to a lawyer for Mr. Bouvier, who said the following. Dmitry Ribolovlev has uh, invented a story he himself does not believe in. He always knew that the 2% bill by Yves Bouvier did not constitute a brokerage commission, 
but were in fact professional fees for services linked to the purchases. Mm -hmm. He also knew that the company MER Invest, owned by Yves Bouvier, mm -hmm. made a markup mm -hmm. of the sale of each artwork. Furthermore, to this day, he does not dispute the price paid for the artworks. The latest chapter involves these Picassos, the portraits of his second wife, Jacqueline Rock. Why were they handed over? Well, the stepdaughter of Jacqueline Rock, who's called Catherine Utamblay, has filed a legal complaint saying that her property was stolen. Now, in the complaint, she talks about two gouache portraits of her mother, which Ribolovlev, we know he had them, he bought them, he says that he bought them from Bouvier and that Bouvier was handling stolen property. Bouvier obviously denies this. But he has been called in front of a Paris court and he has had to leave a large sum of money as a sort of deposit while they investigate. Meanwhile, Mr. Rubolovlev's family trust, which is the theoretical owner, has handed back these portraits to the Paris police pending the outcome of the investigation. And these disputes, for these details like this to come out publicly, is that relatively rare in the art world? It's absolutely extraordinary and I have to say rather fascinating for somebody like myself. I've been working in the art market for over 30 years and I know Yves Bouvier. I've met him a number of times. I've visited two of his freeports because he owns two freeports and is a major operator of a third one. I never knew that he was also working as an art dealer. Ah, that's interesting. But perhaps you could explain briefly to our listeners, what is a free port? So these free ports are a very interesting phenomenon because they're sort of like giant armoured treasure chests. And the two most recent ones, which have been financed and built and are operated by Yves Bouvier, one is in Singapore and the other one is in Luxembourg, and they are specifically destined for high-value goods such as art, also wine, some jewellery, diamonds. And they correspond to today's world when investors will buy these high-value goods, including art, and stash them away in these armoured warehouses where they may not come out for years and where they can be bought and sold without any tax being owed on them during their stay in the free ports. And of course, that has raised a lot of questions about transparency, especially at a time when art is more and more used as an investment. As I understand it, Mr Bouvier is not just a broker and a businessman, but he is a significant investor in arts projects himself. He backs art galleries and he has plans for a big cultural space in Paris, the Ile Seguin project. What do we think will happen to these? Well, he has said that at the moment the Ile Seguin project is on hold, but it's for sure that there is a question that has been raised of conflict of interest because he does operate at so many different levels in the art market, both storing, shipping art, and also he even started an art fair. Perhaps that just makes him ideally placed to meet billionaires. Do you think any of this case, anything that's been brought to light by this, will have any sort of longer-term repercussions on behaviour in the market? I think what is for sure is that there are increasing calls at all sorts of levels for better regulation of the art market. It's not true that it's totally unregulated, but it does remain very opaque, and I think this case really illustrates that opacity. 
So I think this will add to calls for some form of regulation, some way of making the market more transparent, if only to avoid accusations of tax evasion and indeed money laundering. Thank you very much. Thanks to Cynthia Omerku of the FT Investigations team and Georgina Adam, editor at large of the art newspaper, for telling us all about this fascinating tale.